0: so i am a planner i I plan things i love planning things whenever we go on vacation my my family says we're going out the door to leave on vacation they're going your fun's already over with we're going to have our fun now you see i like planning the trip i'm a planner especially when it comes to sermons I, i plan in advance where god wants us to go and what god wants me to say and what sermon series we're going to be in and what passage we're going to be in, I know weeks in advance, months in advance, sometimes a year in advance. So rarely, if ever, do I change my sermon at the last minute. I, I don't do that. I mean, the way I look at it, if the Holy Spirit can lead me at the last minute, He can lead me six months out. he's the Holy spirit he can lead me anytime he doesn't have to wait till the last minute so I'm a planner but but Monday of this week I changed today's sermon I had another one planned and I felt God directing me to another passage and I said Lord are you sure this is way out of my comfort zone Last Monday night, I was reading, my son and I were reading and kind of going through the the memory work of Colossians. And and we came across chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. And as we were reading that in the living room there, I felt deeply impressed to preach it today. I thought, God, I I don't do that. Now, note, this was four days before the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. Read with me verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called into one body. And be thankful. I've shared with you over the past 28 months how hard it is to pastor a church. It's been tough. It's been tough for 28 months to lead God's people. I'm not the only one. That's why pastors are quitting. It's hard. Because you see, our nation is divided. God's people are divided. Ever since COVID, vaccination or no vaccination mask or no mask election was it legitimate was it a fraud political issues immigration economy so many things divide us now having said that let me let me say this about the ruling on friday I, you know me well enough you've heard me for 18 years i am against abortion i was thrilled with the ruling on friday of roe versus wade being overturned years of prayer and work went into that abortion at any stage is against god's plan it is not biblical in any way he is for life lives to be saved i praise god for the r- ruling Whenever you hear someone say well my body is my own I can do with it what I want They either don't know the Bible or they're are they are choosing to ignore the Bible because Paul tells us in 1st Corinthians six nineteen and 20 you're not your own you bought the price Therefore glorify God in your body, which is his So when somebody says that they obviously either are choosing to ignore scripture or they don't know scripture So it's through the ruling But having said that, the message God led me to this morning is about our response as Christians to the issues of the day. The believer's response to those out there. Your response to people in here sitting on the same pew or across the room from you. Regardless of your views, my attitude, your attitude as God's people must be right. In the midst of an angry culture out there, in a divided culture, you and me, we're to be the ones that show Christ, not the ones jumping in the fray. With everybody. We're the ones. I showed Jesus. So I've entitled a sermon today, A Message for Today, June 26th. Now, as Paul was writing to the Colossians there, the Christians there, he was writing to a fractured group. The city of Colossae had a lot of different opinions on a lot of different things. There were Colossae was in southern Turkey it was in it was in the An- Anatolia region there were a lot of different philosophies that were dividing the people they had, they had new age thought which is really basically the seeds of our new age thought in our culture there, there's nothing new under the sun really everything that, that a lot of people are pushing for today Colossae pushed for back in the time of Paul you, on top of that you, you have a heresy that's called the Colossian heresy that that had its roots in Gnosticism, that became full-blown in the first century, that was infiltrating the church. And then on top of that, there is another cult within Colossae that worshipped the archangel Michael as God. (laughs) And now you've got Christians in the midst of all those opinions trying to figure it out. And their response was to be arrogant and to be angry at those beliefs out there. And to be hateful, be quick-tempered was their response. And Paul wrote to them. He said, hold on, hold on. You need to reflect Christ in the midst of a culture that has a lot of different opinions. Let me read to you the news headlines from the past month. House passes federal gun safety law. January 6th, riot hearings continue. Federal Reserve raises the interest rates the highest since 1994. Gas prices reach $5 a gallon nationwide. Copper plunges and creates fear in investors. The stock market's return will be minus 3% a year for the next 10 years. Roe versus Wade is overturned. Inflation is at a 40-year high in the U.S. Ukraine loses key cities to Russia. Healthcare costs are on the rise. Oil companies made $38 billion last quarter. China and Russia both make nuclear threats. The safety of Russian airlines are in question. Chicago Pride Month parade is back after a two-year hiatus. And all of us have all opinions on everything I just said. Good, bad, for, against. We all have opinions. So how do we as believers respond like Christ? Well, in this passage, Colossians 3:12 to 17, Paul said, I want you to do two things, Colossians those are the same two things we need to do two things number one I want you to put on something and number two I want you to make the call on something let me go through those I'll explain first thing he said do number one was put on something you'll see on the screen the word is in it means to sink into something Verses 12 13 and 14 Paul said put on put on put on so he's telling believers Put on like a jacket or a coat, not something as superficial you put on and throw off. Put on all of these virtues and wear them to who you are. Now notice the first thing he said, verse 12. Put on therefore as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Let me stop there. Who's he talking to? Christians. Nowhere in the Bible does God ever call God's chosen, lost people, God's chosen. Nowhere in the Bible does He ever call people who are not Christians holy and beloved. So we know for a fact He's talking about believers. This morning, if you're a Christian, He's talking to you. Now this morning, if you're watching online, if you're here with us and you've never prayed to receive Christ and you're not a believer, then you have every right to act the way you want say things you want, post what you want on Facebook and Instagram. You have every right to be hateful, every right to be catty, every right to be anything you want to be. But, if you're a Christian, you gave up those rights when you got saved. You don't have those rights anymore. I don't either. So, here's what he said. Believers, God's chosen, holy and beloved, put on a coat. Compassionate hearts. Compassionate hearts. Compassion. Boy, that's lacking today, isn't it? You read social media, you don't see a lot of compassion. From lost or saved, either. And the word that's used there, it's translated in the King James, bowels of mercy. It's it's also in translated pity. But the word compassion there, splatnon, it literally means you're, you're inside. That's why bowels of mercy is, is a good translation. It's your inside. Four different times, the word splatnon is used compared to Jesus. Four times it said he was moved with compassion. And he says, Put on compassionate hearts. And then he said, Put on kindness. Verse 12. Kindness. Kind. Christians are to be kind people. we're not we're angry the word kind there in the greek is moral goodness sometimes it's in translated integrity but it also means benign benign you go to the doctor and you have a you have a tumor you're wanting to hear the word benign you do not want to hear malignant so many christians are a Cancer, where to be benign, kind. Put that on, kindness. And then verse 12, he said, put on humility. What was next? Humility. Not arrogance. Humbleness. In fact, the word literally means smallness of mind. In your mind, you're really small. Humility. You know, if there was anybody who ever walked the face of the earth that could have thrown their shoulders back, been proud, walked around like they're really something, it would have been Jesus. And he was known for his humility, smallness of mind. It should characterize us. Put on humility. And then he said, Put on meekness. Now, meekness is not weakness. Well, sometimes we hear the word meek, we think weak. It's not. In fact, it's the opposite. It's the picture of a, of a stallion. And you harness the stallion. So it literally means controlled strength. Control yourselves meekness is controlling yourself I couldn't help it pastor I saw that post and I just had to fire back control yourself meekness put it on patience was the next one put on patience long suffering do you know why God wants us to be long-suffering with each other because he's long suffering with us. I don't know how many times he could have said, Greg, you, you're doing the same things over and over. Dude, when when are you gonna wake up? He's long-suffering, so I need to be long-suffering with you and with them and with people. And then he said, put on bearing with one another. Verse 13. Bear with one another. Literally means to hold somebody up. So when somebody you're around is unbearable, you bear with them. When somebody around you is a Democrat or Republican, and you're not, bear with them. Hold them up. And then he said in verse 13 if anyone has a complaint forgive as God has forgiven you two things struck me when I read that the first thing was he compares our forgiveness of others with God's forgiveness of me who am I to hold a grudge who am I to to hate somebody who am I to get so angry with somebody else when I go to God every day and say, God, would you please forgive me of my sins? So if he forgives me, I need to forgive you. That's the first thing that struck me. Here's the second thing that struck me. The word that's used, forgive, there's not the normal word for forgive. The normal word for forgive in all the New Testament, the Greek language is the word "apheme." It means to send away. Whenever they had the, the goat, the scapegoat that was the sins of the people, put the sins symbolically on the, goats, uh, on the goat, send it away. So that word forgive means your sins are sent away. That's not the word here. The word is korizomai. That's a different picture. That is not the picture of sending away. It's the picture all of a sudden of a courtroom, and you see a judge behind the bench, and you see the condemned and you hear the word guilty, what's the verdict? And somebody's stepping up going, pardon them. They're guilty. They're not worth it. Pardon them. It's a picture. When somebody is guilty, pardon them. six-year-old Tiffany eunuch was playing in a yard in Florida a while back 14 year old boy down the street came up started attacking her brutally beat her for a good five full minutes she weighed 48 pounds he weighed 180 killed her his name is Lionel Tate and they had the trial of Lionel Tate and he was guilty no question everybody knew he was guilty And everybody in that town was angry over what happened to the little girl. Everybody wanted the sentence to be harsh, including the judge, except one person Tiffany's mother. She wanted Lionel to be released, three years of probation, and be released everybody scratched their head. She, she went to the sentencing. Here's a picture of Tiff, Tiffany's mother at the sentencing. There she is. In the background, you'll see Lionel Tate. He's the one that killed her daughter. Deweese Eunuch was the woman. That's the mother. And here's what she said, I quote. She stood by the, behind the, 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 the podium to the judge and said this, quote, Judge, everybody deserves a second chance. Jesus came and died for all of us, right? When we do things wrong, we go to him to forgive us, right? So who am I to not forgive Lionel for what he did to my daughter? Judge, would you be lenient? What? What she did, we're called to do we've been forgiven we're to forgive and then verse 14 he said above everything else put on love love agape, unconditional love sadly today that's that's one component that's It's missing many Christian communities, love. With that, Jesus told his disciples, people will know you're a Christian by the way you love. Now, you know me, you've heard me preach for 18 years. I'm strong on truth, okay? I think our culture's lacking in truth. I think our culture needs to hear the truth. I stand for truth. And so I would have loved it if Jesus had said, they will know you are Christians if you stand for truth. I would have said, amen. (laughs) But that's not what he said. They'll know you're mine when they see the way you love. So put on, that's the first thing he said to do. second thing he said to do was, Make the call. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, you'll see it on the screen here. It's the word brabio in Greek. It literally means to decide. It literally means umpire or referee. Back in biblical times, they had Isthmian games, much like our Olympics. They had judges, they had referees, they had umpires, just like we know them to be. They had a word for it brabio. You are the brabio. You make the call. So now Paul uses that word. To translate it, the word let, L-E-T. So starting in verse 15, you'll see the word let, let, let. So what he's saying is, Christians, you make the call. You decide to be like that. Don't ask God to make you like that. You decide to be that way. So what did he say? Let's look. First of all, number one, you make the call to have the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, verse 15. You decide whether there's going to be a peaceful life you live or an unsettled life, and that's your call. You decide if there's going to be peace there or not. You know, there's not much peace in the hearts of Christians today. What our economy is doing and gas prices going way up and what the other political party is doing and whatever, where everything is headed and where our country is headed. There's not much peace. All, even Christians, boy, we're all in an uproar over all of this. Where are we going? What's, where are we headed to? And in Colossae, they were worried about all these philosophies and what it's doing to the church and what it's doing to them. And They were even had the added pressure of, of their necks being on the line for being a Christian. We don't have that And in the midst of all that he said you make the call on peace in your heart you you decide to be at peace that's a good call and then secondly he said verse 15 you make the call on being thankful be thankful it's, it's like this phrase came out of nowhere Be thankful you know I've noticed something through the years I've noticed that whenever I consciously sit down and enumerate all that I have to be thankful for I, I do that from time to time whenever I do that I notice I worry less and I'm more gracious And I give others the benefit of the doubt more. And I'm closer to being what God wants me to be. I've noticed that. And when I'm not as consciously thankful, I've noticed I worry more. And I'm I'm less gracious. And I'm more condemning and harsh. And I get angry easier. And I'm farther from what God wants me to be. Thankfulness is huge. So you make the call on whether you are truly a thankful person or not. And then he said, verse 16, you make the call on the Bible, the Word of God. The Word of God dwelling richly in you, verse 16. You make the call on that. Now all of a sudden, Paul draws a connection between the Bible and and Jesus' words and our lives. For many believers, they make no connection between what the Bible says and what they believe. No connection between what the Bible says and how they live. No connection between what the Bible says and what they post or how they vote. Or what they value. Don't see any connection. And Paul says there is. There's a connection between Christ's word dwelling in you richly. So you make the call on that. Let me ask you this morning how well do you know the Bible? how well do you know scripture now I know people pull out a verse here to they have this political viewpoint they pull out a verse to prove it or they pull out a verse over here to prove it or they have this belief pull out a verse to prove it I've heard that a lot since Friday to be honest with you people pulling out a verse and they're against the ruling but how well do you really know the Bible not just pull out a verse out of context how well do you know it do you know it well enough that it can actually dwell in your heart and it change how you live, how you think, what you believe. And all of a sudden you find yourself not believing what your party believes, but what God believes. And so that's your call. And then next he says, verse 16, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Wait a minute, we've already heard that once. Now twice he talks about thankfulness. Twice. In our passage, no other virtues mentioned twice. Compassionate hearts isn't, kindness isn't, humility isn't, meekness isn't, patience isn't, bearing with one another isn't, forgiveness isn't, love isn't. But thankfulness is mentioned twice. I don't know about you, but whenever I was a boy growing up, if my mom and dad told me to do something, I, I listened to them. But if they told me twice, they meant it. And I was in trouble if I didn't do it. And now God Almighty has told you something twice. Be thankful. Connection between who you are and your thankfulness then he said finally verse 17 in word and deed whatever you do words actions do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through hold hold on did he say thanks for the third time he sure did if my mama did dad said something three times that's it (laughs) but notice something he brought Jesus name into it whatever you do word or deed in the name of Jesus glorify God Colossians 317 is a great verse to live your life by what comes out of your mouth comes out of your life the way you live the way you act all should glorify Jesus there is an old building in Angkor Cambodia it's built in the late 12th century early 13th century the building's massive it's ornate it's large it's it's beautiful It covers uh, originally covered about a quarter of a mile at one time 12,000 people could could be in it at once 39 different towers It's beautiful. Architecture is is beautiful. It's ornate. It's complex. But, But something odd happened. This building there in Cambodia is in the midst of a forest. Surrounding the old building, all of a sudden, as time went by, the forest began to overrun the old building and invade it. And it took over. And tall silk cotton trees are growing out of the middle of their building. And and roots of ficus trees are, are stretching everywhere. You have large trunks and expanding roots infiltrating the beautiful building. And they're taking over. And they made something that was beautiful to look really odd. Here's a picture of it. See the build see on the left, building there, a corner of the building, and you have a tree trunks and you have roots coming down, and the roots are coming up through the foundation, they're going through the walls, they're coming through the roof. Look at the right picture there on the side. You see a tree trunk growing right out of the, one of the middles of, of the building there, and it's so odd looking that, that they, it's a tourist attraction, and, and they come from all over the world to see that. In fact, the movie Tomb Raider, a part of it was filmed there because it just looks so odd and and conservationists are saying that, that they fear that these trees and roots that have taken over this old ancient beautiful building is weakening the foundation and it's going to collapse and I saw that picture and I thought that is the picture of a lot of Christians The roots of bitterness and anger and obsession with politics has invaded their life. It's taking over. And a once beautiful life has become overrun with tree trunks and anger and huge invasive roots of bitterness. And they just come out looking odd and sounding odd. And these roots have weakened the foundation, their structure. And their Christian influence is about to collapse. May already have. So folks, don't be like this building and let all those roots of anger and bitterness and what the culture's doing overtake you to the point you just become odd. Be the feet of Jesus. Be the hands of Jesus. Be the voice of Jesus. And let this passage be lived out in you. Father, I want to thank you today for this passage. It's, it's a good one father forgive me of where many times i become angry and and then i become smug and father i just i pray more than anything else my words and my deeds will be christ when i agree with what's done when i disagree with what's done god through it all may i be christ and I pray the same through everyone here, everyone watching my live stream. Father, I, I also realize those watching my live stream and some here sitting here live with us, they've never prayed to receive you, receive you as Savior. And Lord, they're, they're lost. They're not believers. Never been a time in their life they've given you their heart. Lord, it is my prayer before they leave today, they'll talk to me, they'll talk to Dane, they'll talk to somebody. And before they leave today, they'll become a child of God. And let you empower them and live the best life. In Jesus' name I pray.